Hello, everyone. Connor Lokar, Senior Forecaster here uh, at ITR Economics. I thank all of you for joining this Q&A follow-up session from the AHRI webinar that we just recently did. We're going to go ahead and pick off the items that we didn't quite have time for in our set Q&A session at the end of our session in that webinar. So without further ado, let's kick things off. So question number one, thank you for all this great information. You're welcome. Uh, and then how do you anticipate supply chain issues uh, with semiconductors and other metals impacting the economy as it recovers from COVID? So a um, couple of interesting ones there. So semiconductor, I think, is probably the most vocally or I guess just widely reported supply chain crunch right now. Obviously, we know it affects a number of industries, appliances, obviously some uh, heating and cooling uh, applications. You know, I think automotive is probably where we're hearing it the most right now in terms of throttling um, impact. And I think that that's the word that I would describe in terms of you know its impact on this recovery trend is that it's throttling but not prohibitive to recovery, if that makes sense, that, that we are actively recovering, rates of change are moving, you know, in most cases, we're actually moving out of recovery and into accelerating growth. Uh, you know, automotive production is a little bit lagged in its recovery. We actually, North American auto production, we actually just downgraded, likely due to not necessarily an absence of demand, but uh, we tempered that recovery based on some production issues that we're seeing. So, you know, on the margins, I would say it's going to tr perhaps trim, you know, a few tenths of a percentage point in growth here or there on the economy, but not outright prevent recovery. So it's a challenge, certainly, it certainly exists. You know, when we look at other metals, you know, steel, copper, aluminum, whether it's, you know, either just issues getting the material or obviously paying obscene premiums to get it, that's being absorbed into the economy. And uh, so it's not taking recovery off the table, uh, it's just making some of our jobs uh, a little bit more challenging here. So next question. Uh, do you, and related, uh, do you anticipate prices coming back down after COVID is deemed over or controlled? So I guess yes and no, not, and, and I say the no part just because, you know, we don't necessarily think COVID becoming under control is a, you know, causal factor for some pricing decline. We do think that from a timeline standpoint, it actually may line up with some of our pricing expectations where, you know, as, as COVID is being actively controlled and, you know, ending in many parts of the country here, uh, you know, we are seeing that, uh, you know, that's facilitating this recovery, facilitating a lot of the inflation as these demand pressures uh, are picking back up. So, you know, as we look into 2022, when I think it's reasonable for us to expect COVID to maybe be more officially over and, and controlled, or we're kind of actively ending and controlling here in 2021, that creeps into the timeline where ITR thinks that some of that price and inflation pressure uh, is going to start to give way. You know, even second half of this year, later 2021, we think the pace of ascent in price increases is going to start to slow down. Uh, so slowing growth is still growth, so it would mean upside pressure on pricing, but we don't think it's going to be quite at the ob obscene pace of rise that we've seen over the last six or so months, you know, a little bit more depending on the commodity that you're looking at that that's been occurring. I think lumber for one, uh, after topping out on May 10th, um, we've seen it every day since then, we've actually seen uh, some downside pressure on lumber prices. So maybe some early signs uh, of some supply demand equilibrium uh, starting to, to creep in. So not necessarily that it's, you know, COVID ending that's gonna facilitate that, but I think if we align those timelines late this year, as we move into 2022, at a minimum, we should see slowing uh, paces of ascent in most commodities, industrial and construction commodities, as some of those demand pressures cool, particularly on the single family side. Uh, you know, whether or not that gives way to outright pricing decline, I think is a little too early for us to tell at ITR. Our forecasts are, for commodities are only out 
about four quarters. So we're just peaking into early 2022 at this point where most of our expectations are for slowing price ascent. Uh, and as we evaluate some leading indicator decline that we're anticipating to see later this year, get an idea of that slope on the backside in 2022, uh, I'll be able to make more pointed commentary as far as our price is actually going to outright recede as opposed to just perhaps plateauing or slowing uh, in their pace of ascent. So next, uh, on your curve showing the max tax rate uh, over the next five years, uh, and will the, uh, excuse me, on the curve showing the max tax rate, what is your projection for an increase into what rate in the next five years? So given the political, um, I guess, underpinnings, obviously, you know, for, any, for a tax change, that's a tough one to answer uh, other than it, we've seen various reports where I'm reluctant to assign an exact number because even the, the current administration uh, is having trouble pegging down an exact number. I think our general commentary, you know, the safest I can make at this point is just up, you know, in upward direction. You know, maybe uh, I think it's most probable if we do see a tax hike. ITR President Ellen Bolio and I have chatted on this, where we I agree with his comments that it's if we do see it in the next five years, it's probably most probable that we'll see it in the next 18 months. Uh, before the midterms, because that will be, you know, if history typically shows, if you want a general election, you generally have a tough time in the midterm. So uh, just ensuring that, that they can move that over the goal line when Democrats have uh, House and Senate control makes that likelihood higher here for the near term. So I will say generally up, uh, but I'm reluctant to, to pick an exact, you know, to what rate we might see that go up, you know, top individual tax rates. I think they're talking about high 30s. Uh, you know, corporate tax, there's tons of tax rates there, but obviously the general inclination there seems to be in an upward direction. In the short to medium term, my 2030 conversation is more end of this decade, 2030s, uh, perhaps for some unavoidable tax increases based on some of these Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, demographic uh, tax-based issues uh, that I talked about in the webinar. So next question. So uh, what are your thoughts on cryptocurrency? So this has become, I think, obviously much more mainstream, you know, not only with the retail investors, but associated reporting on it. Uh, I think if you had asked me this 18 months ago, I would have been more dismissive. In fact, that's how I typically handled the question um, in the last, you know, pre-COVID in, in 2016, you know, 17, 18, 19, where, you know, crypto, you know, whether it be Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, some of these kind of more meme coins, if you will, that uh, seem to have less actual useful application. They always, not that I thought they were insignificant, but in terms of our macroeconomic analysis or even our microeconomic, you know, industry or, or company forecasting, they just weren't wholly germane to our analysis in those areas where it was kind of happening on the side. We were paying attention to it, but as far as like moving the needle, uh, you know, from a GDP standpoint, just not a lot was happening there. So that brings us to the last 18 months where obviously we've seen massive increases in things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, some other uh, cryptocurrencies. And, and it, I, to me anyway, you know, as a millennial, I know Brian and Alan Bolio, you know, particularly Alan, he, he's a little bit more skeptical and maybe appropriately so than I am of cryptocurrency, right? I think it's, it's interesting uh, now as far as it's, you know, we're seeing some more traction in terms of being used as a um, you know, medium of exchange, uh, but also what it seems to be is there's investor appetite for digital currencies as a alternative to the U.S. dollar, as some folks are kind of looking at the, what I will describe. You know, I'll go out on that limit as you know perhaps some abuse of the printing press in the currency 
uh, and money supply expansion powers that the federal government has as far as, you know, trying to perhaps hedge against inflation into crypto. So I think for that reason, it is maybe creeping into relevance from a macroeconomic standpoint is, you know, if we see what was historically demand for U.S. dollars or U.S. dollar denominated assets perhaps being diverted into cryptocurrency, you know, that could be a drag uh, potentially on the U.S. dollar. Now, as of you know, the last couple of days, uh, when we're recording this, we saw crypto took a major step back, Bitcoin, Ethereum, many other uh, others, you know, actually took a bit of a tumble on some news out of China as far as they're kind of clamping down. And, and I think that gets to the crux of the weakness, or I guess, unknown weakness, potential weakness of, of cryptocurrencies in that governments uh, around the world are not going to go quietly into the night and, and basically cede their authority over the money supply. Um, and so if, if they perhaps accurately, you know, see Bitcoins uh, and, and other alternatives as an enemy to that, you know, they may try to sink their regulatory teeth into cryptocurrency and perhaps neuter some of its utility and, and some of its attraction to investors. So those are my long-winded thoughts. The question is, what are your thoughts? That was kind of my roundabout ramblings uh, as far as, you know, kind of how I personally uh, am looking at the space. But, uh, and if you are curious, and I, I don't own any, um, I, I don't know if that's relevant to the conversation, but, um, you know, so, so some of my, my personal feelings, I, I'm intrigued by it, but at the same time, you know, I, I've not put my money where my mouth is at this point in time. So. I think it's fair for me to, to disclose that. So uh, wrapping up, you know, in the depression, um, as we look forward, you know, a decade from now, do you forecast labor costs increasing uh, or decreasing? So maybe on a nominal basis, depending on what inflation does, we will see, you know, wage rates going up, uh, but maybe on a, in an inflation adjusted basis, um, you know, we, if we see a glut of labor supply, you know, based on cratering demand, it may not be abnormal to see some labor cost decreases. That's that's kind of a layer two below what at this far out we've been uh, discussing at this point in time. But I, I don't think that um, that labor decrease decreasing costs would come off the table. You know, because generally, if we see a glut of supply, you know, obviously we see a very tight labor market right now, influencing labor costs upward. If we see a very slack labor environment with unemployment rates potentially for extended periods in the high teens, low 20s, uh, I don't think it would be inappropriate to anticipate perhaps some downside pressure on labor costs for those that are still employing folks uh, at that time. So there's one more, this this is more of just a statement than a question, but I I got a kick out of it. So it's just the last one to come in from Anonymous. Uh, they, they, they didn't want to be named here. They said, I nominate Connor Lokar for Congress. So uh, I appreciate that very much. Uh, I think given the fact that I have just general disdain and distrust for the government probably makes me perfect for the job but also because of that it's probably uh, a line of work that i will probably never pursue but i i certainly appreciate the vote of confidence and i'm going to put that on my resume that in may 2021 i was anonymously nominated for congress so i i, I like that one i'm, I'm going to hang on to that so that wraps it up as far as what we did not get to cover. So for those of you that came to, to check on the follow-up questions, I, I hope you enjoyed the responses. And, and those of you that uh, personally had some of these questions, um, hope you got what you were looking for. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again for having me out to present to all of you live. And then again, here in this recorded format for the follow-up questions. And we'll see you on the next one.